What is going on guys? Welcome to the Mask and Health Solutions podcast where we talk about everything related to men's health, sexual health, penile health, and mindset. And I'm your host CJ Rodriguez, online coach and trainer who loves getting people into the best shape possible, right? And today's episode, we had the utmost pleasure of having the conversation of sitting down with none other than Jason Curtis. Jason Curtis is a highly experienced strength and conditioning coach and best-selling author. He has dozens of books on development, health, fitness, and sports performance. And he is the owner of the SNC Gym in the UK and works with hundreds of clients and athletes each week. Now, this sounds spectacular, right? But what we really got into was what propelled him into that success. And everybody always wants to talk about, you know, the glitz, the glamour, the, you know, I finally made it, you know, I'm super successful. But what we got into today was more the nitty gritty of having to find himself, develop stoicism and develop the correct mindset to ensure that he would be successful at one point. But these are the conversations that I love to have because it teaches us about how to succeed and how men need to approach things at certain times. So one of the things we discussed was the masculine mindset, along with staying calm, centered and you know, always focused on the goal in regards to what he wanted in his life and how at this point in, of his life, you know, the goals kind of change. And obviously it's, it's a little bit more about how do I balance my success with my daily life, being a father, you know, being somebody good in the community. And it was a very, very enlightening conversation for myself. And I think you guys will be able to take a lot out of it because the mindset, you know, this is what this is the precursor to everything else in life. You know, anybody that knows me <laughs> knows that I love to look into the esoteric uh, side of things. And in the text, you know, a lot of it comes down to mentalism. It comes down to our mindset. It comes down to our approach. And this episode really focused on that. And the beauty of it is that you see it here in real time and you saw what it took for him to develop that and to develop the correct habits and how Jason actually implemented all these different concepts into finding success, right? So I think this is a very, very captivating story, one that you guys will enjoy. And again, if you guys wanna learn more about Jason, you wanna check out more of the stuff that he's involved in, you want free copies on a lot of the cool stuff that he's got on his Instagram page, be sure to click the link, it's right at the top. It says Linktree SCC Academy. You'll be able to get all kinds of wonderful things by clicking on that link. Also, if you guys are looking for fitness coaching, you want to get into the best shape of your lives, you want to lose fat, you know, get rid of the titties, get rid of the love handles, get rid of the muffin top, then be sure to get at me. You can send me a DM at maskandhealthsolutions.pe or you can find me at CJRodsFit as well. All right. But without any further ado, let's jump into today's wonderful episode with Jason Curtis. All right. Let's jump on in to today's episode. Before we get started, one more thing. If you want to get any PE gear, be sure to check out TotalManShop.com. That is TotalManShop.com. And use the promo code MHS2020. Promo code is MHS2020. And get 12% off. Be sure to check out their wide variety of all kinds of good quality PE equipment. All right. And that's promo code MHS2020 for 12% off. And the website, once again, is totalmanshop.com.
What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Mask and Health Solutions podcast, with where I am joined by Jason Curtis, all the way out of the UK, who, instead of sleeping right now, is joining us to discuss some things in regards to the mask and mindset and how to become successful and all that kind of good stuff. Because, hey, you know what? This man's a testament to what, it, you know, what he lives day by day, <laughs> which is, you know, being a successful dude, which is the subject that we really want to explore today. But first and foremost, Jason, how are you today, sir? I'm brilliant, thank you. Yeah, it's been a quite a chilled day with the kids, um, and I'm really happy to be on. It's a it's a topic I'm really interested in and quite passionate about. So I'm I'm keen to get get into it. Hey man, and that's kind of the beauty of these conversations. I get to pick everybody's brain, and you know what? I'm always able to figure things out from a very different angle. I'm like, hey man, I never, I didn't know that, <laughs> you know. And that's the beauty of these conversations where we can really explore these subjects, but we can do it in depth, right? But the first thing that I kind of wanna ask you about was you know when what basically got you started on this journey of hey you know what i gotta overcome challenges and, and really do better in life because you joined the army if i'm not if i'm not um mistaken right yeah so from a very young age i wanted to join the military the army specifically and i wanted to be a physical training instructor in the army so i wanted to be an infantry soldier because i just see saw it as you know if you watch a film about the army you're watching the infantry the soldiers so I definitely wanted to go and soldier. And a big part of that was just, um, I was very laddish from being young, you know, so I did a lot of combat sports, wasn't brilliant, you know, had a lot of fights, but um, you know, it wasn't going anywhere big, but I enjoyed it, I was, I was reasonably good, you know, because I was sporty as a whole and quite fit. Um, so everything that's sort of challenging was always a big sort of driver for me, anything that was hard, if someone said, you know, could you run this? Could you do this? Could you do this obstacle course? That was a massive, um, you know, I was drawn to that sort of stuff. And I was always very much drawn to like the heavy sort of, you know, traditional masculine, manly man, be that way. Um, and the army was the epitome of that for me, mm-hmm. um, which is why I joined the military and did six years, loved my time in the army, spent most of the time as an infantry soldier and also as an army physical training instructor, which is my main passion which is what i'm sure we'll go into with my gym mm-hmm. and my educational academy and stuff like that um but yeah there's there's been various challenges and challenges throughout the military and into business which i'm sure we'll go on to has definitely forced me and pushed me into understanding mindset so mindset as a young lad was very much you just cracked on as i've got older I've been far more mindful about mindset, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think as a kid, I sort of took it how it came. It's just about being tough. It's just about getting rough and ready. And there was not much thought process put into it. Whereas now I'm a little bit older, a little bit wiser. I'm very mindful about my mindset and the way in which I approach things and how to deal with stress. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the overview. No, it's beautiful because it's that is the truth. When you're younger, it almost feels like you got all this surging energy. You know, you don't got to sleep. It's almost like you can just redline it every day. Then as we get older, you're like, wait a minute, man, I got to look into recovery a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I got to explore that kind of thing because, you know, it's obviously when you're, you're younger, you can just white knuckle everything. And that's um, that's a very interesting point that you just kind of made. And what was the first distinction where you're like, you realize that you just can't do that anymore? Was it like a, a specific challenge or was it something in particular that maybe you kind of remap your mindset, so to speak? To be honest, it wasn't at any point in the military. So the military was like, you know what, just get tough, like be hard, um, get through it. And it was all because of the camaraderie. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a big part of it. 
there was less where you sort of felt like an individual working things out. You were part of a team. So in all honesty, in the military, there was there was none of that. It was just go get it and, uh, you know, be around great lads. And it was huge camaraderie, good laugh. Mm-hmm. And then it was leaving the military. And as I've said on, you know, other chats and other podcasts, a big part of my personality was like naive optimism, very much take the leap, grow my wings on the way down. You know what, I'm going to be... I'm an ex-army physical training instructor. When I get leave the army, get into civvy street, as we call it, I'm going to have loads of clients. Everything's going to be brilliant. The gym that I eventually set up is going to be, you know, franchised and worth millions of pounds or millions of dollars. <laughs> and it's all going to go well, right? So it was very much a naive optimism, you know, a little bit mm-hmm. ballsy, maybe a little bit overly confident because I've been in this bubble of being an army physical training instructor. And then obviously leaving the army, running my own, company so getting out the army all i had was a van full of kit i didn't have any savings but i was very well qualified started to run boot camps on the park over the next sort of eight years to where we are now financially there's been some of the hardest periods of my life to the point at which i despise the term money doesn't buy happiness in a sense because (laughs) although i do believe that money won't buy happiness if you're miserable it's it's like the saying you know, you don't need trainers to run, but they certainly help. And mm-hmm. people that tend to say that money doesn't matter have never been broke. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been sleeping in my car. I've got young children. I've been at a point where I couldn't pay my rent. I was paying on a credit card, getting the charges. And that's really what initially was sort of like the humility for me, where I've gone from sort of being in the army in this bubble mm-hmm. to then being in the real world, not having anyone to back me up. It's just me building this you know, fitness business essentially. And in all honesty, although I gained success and got a lot of engagement and had a lot of respect within the field, financially, like I really struggled But because I didn't have any savings behind me. There was no one really backing me. So I really, really struggled. And there's been times throughout business where I've done well in certain areas, but I thought things were going to do better than they did, or I, think, I thought things were going to go a certain way and they haven't. And it, it's really knocked me quite hard. You know, and in all honesty, the financial side of running a gym and stuff has been brutal, you know, in the early years and even through COVID. And and that's what's oh, yeah. really made me made me adapt and, and start having to think about like stoicism and, and be mindful about my mindset. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot easier said than done. A lot of people think that they could just jump into any industry, which is kind of. I'm not going to say unfortunate, but it's that pie in the sky mindset where it's like, well, if I started, obviously they're going to come, man. Like, gosh, man, I'm awesome. <laughs> you know, and a lot of yeah, us have true. that wrong mindset. Maybe because a guy of your caliber, your pedigree, it's kind of like, yo, you almost expect that, right? It's like, dude, you know, it's like, I got all the goods. I can teach you. You know, I got all this experience. But sometimes the world just kind of hits you from a different angle where like Gen Pop's not like, yeah, that's cool, but I'm just looking to shed off a couple of 10 pounds and it doesn't really matter that much to me. I may not sign up next week, (laughs) you know, and it's uh, sometimes it could be a hard reality because it's like you realize that in order for you to be successful, it's almost like that adaptation has to come from you, not them. Right. So what was one of the biggest shifts that, you know, took place in your business for you to say, hey, you know what, I got to change my approach and this will actually help me to get through it. Because you mentioned stoicism and I'm I'm like, bro, if you're sleeping out of your car, that probably requires a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. So so basically what it was was I realized that, I mean, a good analogy is they often say that, you know, people think if you write the best book in the world, it will sell. Mm 
Mm-hmm. But really, it's it's the hardest part is, you know, I would say 30% of it is writing the book and 70% of it is selling it. Yeah. You know, so no matter how good you are, it's like, don't assume that people are just going to find out about you. Like social media has made things easier, but you are like a needle in a haystack. Mm. So when I left the military, I was very qualified. I had had a lot of experience. I've worked with professional athletes. I, you know, you know, as you can see behind me, there's, you know, there's hundreds of strength conditioning manuals. I'm obsessed with strength and conditioning. But when I left, I thought it would be a case of naively, you know, I'll hand out a few leaflets, throw a few social media posts up. I'll be fully booked. The first boot camp that I ran on a part, no one turned up, you know, and then and then I started sort of personal training. It took me a good six months to build a client base. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I left my ex-wife. She was obviously living in my apartment. I had no reserves at all. Obviously, I could have stayed at my dad's or friend's houses, but there's a little bit of ego there. Um, <laughs> you know, one thing with the military is when you leave, the, a lot of lads in the infantry aren't necessarily from good backgrounds or from, you know, wealthy have wealthy parents or parents that can look after them in that way or, or help them out and um, so i think within the infantry when you leave there's a lot of lads that are sort of looking to see you know how long till he's back in you know mm. he'll be out a year realize he can't hack civvy street and he'll be back in so there's that sort of pride element to it so there was yeah there was weeks where i was sleeping in my car you know really struggling but i think i realized that i can't just go off like my qualities I've got to be a more well-rounded businessman. So I realize it's not just me as a coach. I can be the best coach in the world. I can be the nicest guy in the world. I have to develop other key sets and skill sets to sell myself. So what I did was essentially, you know, not to go too far into it, but my van's gearbox broke down. I needed somewhere to store my kit. So I stored it in the local boxing gym, couldn't afford to fix my van. So I sold it to the garage that gave me the quote on the gearbox. They give me about 300 quid for my van. The mill owner that owns the mill that was, you know, the boxing gym was in had a small room. He said, look, you can have that room for 30 quid a week or 40 quid a week. It was, you know, around $50. And I said, Garth, I can't afford that. And he says, well, I'll give you three months rent free. So what I did was I just had my uniform for my gym, which was just like a sports top and track, trackies and trainers. Mm-hmm. And even though I wasn't fully booked, I went to that room from 6 a.m. till like 9 p.m. and I just filmed social media videos and I just wrote articles, I had a website. So I just filmed videos, threw them up, you know, granted eight years ago, almost a decade ago, social media videos did a lot better than they do now. Facebook pages were far more, um, you know, I I could put a video up and it would get a thousand views or Mm -hmm. 2000 views and it wasn't even going viral. It only had a few hundred likes. So I think it was a more effective form of advertising at that point. So I started to throw myself into pushing out videos online and it still took a long time. But then once the clients started coming in, I, you know, it snowballed from them after about six months because of my, um, because of my ability as a coach. But throughout that time, it was very much about just completely believing that it's going to happen. So it was, it was, it was very much knuckled down, believe that it will happen and keep grinding. And, I don't know how much further I could have gone because financially I was racking up debt, but it was literally just keep going, keep going every day, get the work done. I think it's very key for people to understand that in them early stages, there has to be 
a lot of the time a little bit of a grind they often say don't they what gets you to 90 is not the same as what gets you from 90 to 100 so a lot of people listen to all these gurus and stuff i think you need to do this you need to do this and i think in the very very early stages you do have to be willing to just work and get it done and throw the hours in yeah no because i completely agree with you because uh it's interesting because i'll watch certain coaches and certain people talk about you know it's like oh you got to make your first million this that and the other i'm like first million it's like why don't you worry about making your first 10k brother you know why don't you start off with the small steps and the one thing that i think is pretty interesting is like in that moment where you all you had was a room you still found a way to create something out of it right your creativity kicked in and it's almost like maybe subconsciously you were being led by something you couldn't explain but you're like hey you know what i got this space i got this room i got this thing called a phone i'm gonna utilize it and i'm gonna start working with it right and that's one of the things that i think it is necessary for you to be an entrepreneur or successful as an entrepreneur is like you just got to get moving sometimes right and it, it's interesting too that you mentioned that grind that starts off you know and obviously we're talking about your entrepreneurial journey here but I think anybody that's looking to lose weight, and I mean, you as a coach know this too, right? It's like, when you, know, when you first start off with clients, it's almost like, hey man, it's gonna be a grind. You, you gotta get used yeah. to the fact that you gotta change the habits that you have been employing for the past 10 years, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it's one of those things that is undeniable and a concept that I think a lot of people fail to recognize. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, although I think you've gotta have a healthy work-life balance, I think initially you've got, if you wanna make some of yourself as an entrepreneur, You've got to create yourself an environment and a space where you can work. So it's almost like, you know, even if you're working from home, my, my recommendation was would be, you know, create a space if you can that is like your office. If you can create that, what worked for me is having that little gym space where I could have sat at home at the computer, but I went there and it forced me to work all day. And I think in them early weeks, months, maybe even getting up, you know, over a year, you've got to grind, you've got to really, really put the work in, like every hour God sends to work, for me anyway. And then the the goal then is to make more money and also free up time. So what happened to me was I was earning more money, but I was still doing, I was working, rather than sort of doing less for more, I was doing more for more. So mm-hmm. even though I was earning more money, it was great. I was always doing more and more and more. And it got to the point where I was like, right, my goal needs to shift from not just growth, but it also needs to shift to get get time back now. So mm. doing less for more, um, and that is a really hard goal to achieve. Sometimes that's harder than than earning more money is is freeing up more time, and it's a very much a hard thing to do. So in the early stages, put the work in. Once you start seeing some level of success, don't just look at. Um, how much how much how much more can i grow it's also looking at how much more can i free up time because eventually i will burn out mm-hmm. um and i i need that time and yeah. i'll be happy and healthy and also you've got to remember where do i want to be do i want to finish in you know so many decades time and be like well i never took any time you've got to think about the big picture you know it's that old um you know the story of have you heard the story of the the, the sort of fisherman where yeah. you know, the businessman comes up to him and says, you know, mm-hmm. you can, you know, if, you, if why don't you have two boats? And they're, they're working till 12 o'clock and then chilling on the beach. And then, you know, they say, you know, why don't you work till five o'clock and then you can buy a factory? They say, what then? They say, well, you can employ more staff. What then? You can do this. And then eventually he says, you can retire and chill on the beach. And they're like, well, that's what we're doing now. And and I think that's that was key for me is 
in the last two years, I got to a point where I said, I want to do the amount of hours that I'd be happy doing for the next 20 or 30 years. Yeah. And I said, if I don't do it now, I won't do it next year. I won't do it the year after and I won't do it for years to come. And that's where I'm at. I need to grow my businesses, but I need to grow them in a way that's sustainable for me. Sustainable and systemizing it in a way where it's like you don't have to be there 24-7, right? And yeah, I'm guessing, exactly. like, that's one of the things that's probably, was it difficult for you to kind of make that initial shift? Because I'm like, you know, you're holding the reins this entire time, then all of a sudden it's like, well, you got to let go of it. And it's like, oh, man, but, I, you know, I got to be in control. Did you have any of that, like, resistance initially? Or were you eventually able to, like, okay, I can trust my people, you know, I can step off, you know, and just kind of watch from a distance? Was that part, that transition kind of difficult? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because especially in the fitness industry. And I think it's in most industries, people do buy into you mm -hmm. and, and you become a part of the brand. You know, if you are, a, if you are the face of the brand, you become that brand um, and people want you. And in all honesty, yeah, it was, it was, you do become a little bit of a micromanager and you do um, not necessarily trust or, or you don't think that people are going to do as good of a job. And sometimes they do a brilliant job. Sometimes it's better in many aspects. And a lot of time it's not as good. So even though, you know, all my coaches are great, there are classes that if I was doing them, they would be busier, you know, but there's also coaches that do classes that are better than mine on occasion and stuff like that. Um, but there's no doubt that I lose money because of the, the, the fact that I'm not doing as much. So mm -hmm. I, could, I could always do more. I can do more now, but I, I've had to take that step back because otherwise I would never stop doing 80 to 100 hours a week. Yeah, And I wouldn't then be able to focus on other areas of business. So sometimes you can get stuck on one aspect of the business that is very much focused on, um, you know, it's where you're making your money. And that's a good thing because you do want to focus on that and lean into them areas. But if you don't free up that time, you might never create aspects of the business that in the future are, are you know, you know, doing considerably better than what you were concentrating on because you've got that creative freedom. Um, and that's also key. You know, you've got to put yourself in a position to, to get good luck. You've got to put yourself in a position to develop new, new aspects of the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I, you can't really expand if you're kind of stuck, you know, if, if you're in that bottleneck, there's no way that you can really expand past it. It's like, well, you're stuck here until you figure this out. And I guess that's just kind of like another level of resistance that kind of comes with everything in life, right? Going back to the gym, and I always use the gym as an analogy, right? It's like in order for you to get past, you know, one plate, you know, you, you kind of got to make sure you can hit those 35s for a solid set of like 10 or whatever it might be. And then, then you graduate up, right? And then eventually it's like, okay, you know, I can add another 10, I can add another 20. Then get into those two plates. A lot of guys suffer that, right? You always talk to them and it's like, hey, let's break it down in reps and sets and kind of like, okay. You know, you got to just have the right plan in order to execute that, follow it, and then you'll be able to graduate to the two plates that you've always wanted, you know, for your bench presses. Most guys kind of desire that. <laughs> but it's yeah, one of those absolutely. things that, like, I think it's interesting how you carry that over, that mindset from the gym into your work, right? And you were able to do it pretty gracefully. Like, would you say that it was hard, like, initially to just say, hey, you know what, I'm stuck and just kind of admitting that or was it more just like you know i'm not able to spend enough time with my kids because i'm guessing like the life or the work-life balance must have taken a hit initially too right yeah absolutely so initially i worked an in incredible amount so it was 80 hours in the gym and then 20 plus hours writing and developing courses um and there's an element 
to which sort of family is key and having a wife is key, you know, or a partner um, for me because that did force me as well. So if I was single, I would have carried on working myself to the ground. You know, so. I would have carried on working 80 hours a week in the gym. Why not? So the, yeah, the, this isn't a negative thing, but the wife was definitely a driver. And when I had young children with my wife, so I had children, they're young now, um, that was a drive. That was a driving factor. So that that forced me to do it, which was a good thing, mm-hmm. you know. So so having having a wife and kids that essentially made me have to take more time off because I had to look after them and be around and stuff like that, which is a good thing. Yeah. But I was I was I wouldn't have done it otherwise. So so that's definitely positive. Um. So in many ways I was you know I didn't have a choice, um. And that's and that's good because it forced me to do it. But also I traded sort of, I did some coaching with a business coach and, and she said, you know, what are your main goals? And obviously those financial goals. And to be honest, my main goal within business was to be, you know, a, not an influencer, right? But mm-hmm. a person of that's respected within my field of essence. So people would look to me as a, because I run an online academy, we've got over 30,000 students in the academy now, you know, the, the, the Instagram has got over 100,000 people on it, but mm-hmm. it's not about influence. It's not about fame. It's about people looking at me within my industry, which is the fitness industry and saying, you know what, that's the guy that you can go to and trust his information. If you want to do a personal training course or become a strength, a certified strength conditioning coach, that's the guy to go to. That's what I yeah. wanted. So respected within my field, financially, having that financial freedom to a certain level. I don't need to be a multimillionaire, but also not having to work myself to the ground. So having that work-life balance. So they were the sort of free goals. So be sort of respected in my field and, you know, looked at as in, you know, that guy's done a good job. You know, he's tried his best. That's brilliant work. You know, have um, some level of financial freedom. You know, don't have to be wealthy, but, you know, comfortable and have time with my family because, when you listen to the podcast, for example, where you get all these multi-millionaires and billionaires and they'll talk, the number one regret is also I should have spent more time with kids. Yeah. That's the one thing that you'll forget. You know, no one will remember you for how much you worked, but your kids will remember how much you worked. You know, yeah. so it's 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 I'm very conscious of the fact like my kids are, you know, I've got an eight year old and then I've got a, a three year old and a one year old. And looking after the three year old and the one year old is really hard work. Sometimes you you finish a day and you're just like, oh my God, I'm so drained. But I know that I will look back at that. This period of like one to five is like magical. It's when they're truly children. And I will miss that so much. And I know I'll miss it profoundly. But sometimes while I'm sat at home, I'm just like, oh, I just wish I could be in my office writing because it's hard work. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it's, it's in all honesty, it's, it was, it was, it was hard, but it was, it was non-negotiable because of my wife and kids. Yeah. And also, I think in the early stages of business, when they're the, your they're your babies, you're overly protective. Once you've done it long enough, you start to get a little bit tired with the business in a sense, yeah. and you're far more comfortable about giving it to other people. So at the start, it was my baby and no one could touch it. After a little bit of fatigue, I've, I've been doing this almost a decade now, you sort of like, yeah, yeah, you take that class. I've done thousands. Yeah. So I think that's, it's a little bit of fatigue there, you know? Yeah, but I mean, the one thing that I think is incredibly overlooked and it's a concept that i always bring up when um you know people ask me about like what's the most important thing amongst men and the number one thing that i always say is respect 
Like, I even went to a conference one time and it was all about love and respect. Women want love, men want respect. You disrespect a man, you know, it's all right. You know, how many fights have been started because this guy disrespected me, bro? Like, you know, it's yeah, yeah. it's the number one thing that kind of plays into it. And obviously, to your point, it was very interesting that you made that distinction from the get go. It's like, I'm not an influencer. You know, I want to be respected in my field for my knowledge base. And obviously, you go into the social media side of things because, hey, you know what? It's, it's something that's completely relevant now. Like, it's part of the game. And obviously that plays, you know, that plays into the whole adaptation process, which you kind of just identified right from the get go where it's like, no, I, I have to do this because, you know, sometimes I look at some of these dumb trends like I'm not going to do a TikTok dance. Sorry, I'm not that guy. Right. <laughs> Especially if you want to be respected in your field. However, you want to talk about clean snatches, you know, jerks. OK, you know, come to this page. We'll talk about this stuff. We'll discuss this. We'll talk about proper form in a back squat. And obviously that gains respect. Because that's the other thing that I see a lot of trainers, including myself. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of scared if I put like a, an exercise up and then people are going to judge me for it not being perfect. But that's also how you gain respect and like how well you can present it to the world. Right. So kudos to you for making that distinction from the get go. The other thing I was going to say that I found very interesting is that you were able to find the balance between having your kids propel you forward slash scale you back almost too. Cause it's like, I think that's the one thing that I keep hearing as a recurring theme is obviously I wish I'd spent more time with my kids, more time with my kids. Cause I'm like, that's uh, you know, something that weighs on me too. Like I had a 12 year old and an eight year old and it's like, you know, sometimes you just gotta take a step back. And obviously like I did a bodybuilding competition and it did, you know, really require a lot more time in that last month. And I'm like, you know what? One month is okay. But to do this for a full year, I don't know how certain people can do that. And it's it's super interesting to hear it from your perspective of the entrepreneurial side of things where it's like, hey, this can impact me for the rest of my life and I can regret it or I can use it as a way to just kind of like, yo, fuel, you know, fuel you for success, which I find to be very, very interesting. Yeah, so I think a good analogy because you've used quite a lot of gym analogies is when it comes to sort of strength conditioning programming, you have what's called like periodization, which is the, you know, mm -hmm. the development of the big picture plan. And a lot of people critique periodization because they, they see it as too dogmatic, creating training phases like, you know, in the early phase accumulation, you might be working on volume and then you increase intensity, like linear yeah. periodization is high volume working towards high intensity. But where realistically, you don't have to be that dogmatic. All periodization is, is a big picture plan where you you know, you're, you're planning the year, here's the major competitions, you know, how are we going to peak for these events? And mm -hmm. most of the time, training is quite concurrent. We're, we're working different performance qualities at the same time in any given week. Now, I think as an entrepreneur, as a, as a, as a man, you need to always have the big picture plan in the back of your mind. Mm -hmm. So regardless of whether your sort of short and medium term goals are, you know, build a business, do this, do this, do this, you've always got to have the big picture plan of yes, during this phase, I'm going to be working hard at the business and maybe I'm going to put a little bit of overtime in. And I think it's key that parents, you're always going to feel guilty when it comes to your kids because you love them unbelievably so, right? But at the yeah. end of the day, I think people are also too hard on themselves. So there's going to be times where you're going to have to work because you have to work hard to, to provide them with the life that you want to give them. But it's having that big picture plan in mind where you're also always reverting back to going, but what do I truly want? What am I fundamentally doing this for? Like, so for me, yes, I want, you know, a full gym. I want my education academy to be bringing in the sales for people to be doing my courses going, you know what, that was the best course I've done. This guy really knows what he's talking about and he, mm -hmm. and he coaches well. Um, but I also want to be around for my kids and I want to have that free time to, you know, I'm an avid reader and stuff like that. 
Um, and sometimes I'll go, I'll be conflicted because I'm like, I could do more editing on one of the books that I'm writing. And I have to force myself to stop and go, you know what, read another chapter of the Silmarillion Lord of the Rings, you know, that, that I'm into <laughs> that's not going to benefit any of my training. Because, you know, you you want to get to the end state and get look back and go, you know what, that was a really fulfilling time. And I don't regret not spending time with kids. I don't regret being sat up every evening just writing away. Yes, you might have earned a bit of extra money, but at the end of the day, that money's, you know, you're not keeping it when you go. Yeah. Um, so it's one of them. Interesting. And the other question I had, because, um, you know, as a father, it's something that kind of, I wouldn't say keeps me up at night, but it's something I do think about because, you know, when I was training, or whenever I trained, right, sometimes I was working out at home during COVID, and then my son just grabs the eight-pound weights, and I don't know what the hell he's doing, but he's like, yeah, me too, and I'm just like, yes, <laughs> you know, like, and, and that really, like, honestly, it, it satisfies my soul, because I'm just like, hey, you know what, how important is it for us as fathers to do good work so that our kids can see it and model it? And the question I have for you in regards to that is like, what is the one quality that you want your kids to really take from your life thus far? Like, you know, if they had to judge you, let's say in the next eight years, and like, yo, there's one quality about my dad just fascinates me. It's the same thing that I want to replicate. Mm. So I would actually say there's one that number one uh, that doesn't necessarily relate to sort of my work ethic or anything like that, which a lot of people say stuff like be kind, but I don't. I don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's be fundamentally a good person. Mm -hmm. So you can actually be quite a hard person and not a particularly generous or particularly come across as particularly kind, but mm -hmm. you can still be fundamentally good. You know, so I, I might have had sergeant majors in the military were like some of the scariest, hardest men you'd come across, but they were fundamentally good. They were yeah. fundamentally fair. And to me, that is the highest level of, of human being. So, you know, especially as a man, for me, is being fundamentally good, where someone would look at you and say, yeah, yeah, that guy could be hard, that guy could be soft, he could be generous or not, but he's fundamentally good. You know that you can mm. trust that individual. And to me, that is, that, that's the key quality in anyone, you know. So Frederick Nietzsche had that ubermensch, that sort of Superman. It was yeah. very sort of dark, wasn't it? To me, what is Superman is that guy that you know is fundamentally good. Right, so you know you can trust that person. That person is not going to backstab you. He's just fundamentally a nice person. Where although he might be quite harsh and tell you what he thinks, he's fundamentally good. He's yeah. fair. You know that was actually a piece of business advice that I was given, which was the best advice business-wise I was I was given really in the early stages, which was don't be nice, be fair, and yeah. don't just be fair to them, be fair to yourself. Because actually I was quite soft as a businessman. Um, you know, very nice, you know, easy going. Um, and it's key to be fair because people aren't necessarily trying to do you over, but everyone's fighting their corner and you've got to fight yours. So as long mm -hmm. as you're being fair to them, you'll sleep at night. And I think being fundamentally a good person is being fair to people. So it, sometimes being fair is quite hard on people, but fair is fair and business yeah. is business. And that's definitely something I'd want to instill in my kids where they've got that core value of just do the right thing. I think that's key. Um, and I think that then translates to you being a far more disciplined individual and, and progresses on to having good work ethic. You know, even if you work for someone for minimum wage, being a fundamentally good person means that I am hired to do this job. It's not minimum wage, minimum effort. It's like I'm going to do this job to the best of my ability because I'm fundamentally good and I yeah. do the right thing. That's interesting. And that's, 
You're right. The carryover carries over into every aspect of our lives. And to your point, it's kind of like, I mean, I was listening to Bedros Cooley and he talks about that all, that, all the time as well. It's like you got to be a, a, a savage servant, right? It's kind of like you got to do your best to obviously, you know, it's like when, when it's time to kind of stand up for yourself, you, you can do that with no remorse and just be like, no, this, these are the rules. I'm playing by them. If you don't like them, you can fuck off. But, you know, at the same time, I'm always going to be respectful of said person as well. But it's almost like you got to drop these boundaries and you always got to live by them. And I think a lot of people, to your point about kind of being soft at the onset, you're right. It, it's it's a struggle because you're like, oh, you know, I'm not I don't know if that's that's, you know, fair enough for this person. But it's like then you look at industry standards and you're like, wait a minute, like I'm screwing myself over, which I found to be very, very interesting is that you said that, too. It's like being fair to yourself. And I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us, myself included in certain situations where it's just like, yo, man, you're, you know, you're, you're screwing yourself over in a lot of situations that you put yourself in. And it's almost like, it's interesting because it's almost like you have to almost recalibrate your mindset, which is difficult because you're stepping into this arena, like you said, from fitness to business. And it's almost like now you got to, you got to change your perspective, which is something that I find very, very interesting. And you were able to do it successfully, but I think a lot of people do struggle with that. But in, in regards to that, too, with like your children and obviously having those core values, how important would you say it is nowadays that men be in the lives of their children? Because we're seeing an epidemic of single, you know, single moms and all this kind of stuff. Like how how important would you say that masculine mindset is in the life of a child? Yeah, so I think I think it's hugely important. I think one thing that I'd sort of caveat to start is that, you know, obviously, you know the circumstances of people are what they are and i think i think a lot of mothers do a single mothers do an exceptional role of taking on the masculine role as well mm-hmm. but i definitely think in, in in any child's life that when you have a mother and a father like what i can clearly see as much as you know there's there's a lot you know in today's world there's a lot of people that don't live in in the traditional sense you know and you know, it, you don't have to have that nuclear family in the way that we all perceive it. However, without me trying to be, you know, a traditional household, that is the way it's fallen. You know, so so my wife is the primary caregiver. And if the kids are a little bit upset, they run to her. Right. So she fills them with more care and attention than I do when it comes to like the rough and tumble um, you know, and, and the joking around and being silly and stuff like that. I do far more of that. But I also feel that, you know, there's just clear differences between me and my wife. Mm-hmm. And there's clear differences in the way that I would sort of speak and interact with them. And I think that is is absolutely essential. I don't think, you know, I don't think it's it's crippling if there's not a masculine or a feminine figure in your life. I mm-hmm. think human beings are incredibly resilient. You know, you can see that with kids that have the best upbringing in the world and and ultimately end up being you know really struggling in life and struggling with themselves and and people that have incredibly hard upbringings and they're the most successful people in the world so i think even little children are incredibly resilient but i think in an optimal circumstance having their masculine qualities and their feminine qualities you can just see the dynamic it's it's i'm a big believer in it's quite not necessarily controversial but i'm a big believer in evolution biology mm-hmm. that we we have evolved to be this way and the fact that i've got like a son and a young son and a daughter with my wife you know i see it all play out you know i read there's a there's a there's a really good book like the chimp that understood the universe 
Mm-hmm. Can't remember the the author, but that was all about evolution biology and the way in which that you know the the men would play certain roles and the women would play certain roles. And although in a modern society this can all change, mm-hmm. and you know people can do what they want to do, I'm very much libertarian when it comes to that. Like you do you when it comes <laughs> to being a, a grown adult. Mm-hmm. But fundamentally, what I see playing out is is the biology of of men and women and how they interact with the children. And I think actually the children excel in that environment where they've got the contrast yeah no and i think it's that's kind of why i bring it up right because it's like it's it's interesting you said that too that distinction that kind of lies there where it's like when you're at home you're right you got two different ways to go about things you got the feminine and the masculine that kind of play into it but when they work together it almost works in harmony and obviously it's one of those things that hey not every kid has that however they can always be successful and even finding a role model like yourself which is the other thing i was going to ask you is like how do you integrate some of these qualities into your courses and what you do on a day-to-day basis and your business for that matter so i think it's actually what my most recent book that has really delved into that so I've published about 20 manuals so far, but a lot of them are just, you know, programs and stuff like that. Some of them are quite substantial, like the strength training manual. And in all honesty, I don't think I allowed myself to put in much of my sort of ethos into them as as much as I would like. There's a little bit, there's snippets of it, Mm -hmm. but very much the strength manual was, was looking at, right, it has a section on squat, and then it's, you know, back squat, front squat, um, overhead squat, box squat, section on hinge, deadlift, stiff leg, deadlift, RDL, all that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's very much systematic. Now, what I've done recently is I've come up with a fitness race. It's called the Deadly Dozen. It's 12 times 400 around an athletics track with 12 what I call labors, which are exercise stations in between, like kettlebell deadlift, farmer's carry, overhead carry, um, dumbbell snatch, stuff like that, right? So it's really intense. And what I've done is I've created a training methodology around that so i've wrote a manual that's it's over 250 pages over 80,000 words so it's a big substantial manual that goes into the the training methodology mm-hmm. but because i've bought into fitness racing so much bit of backstory and i'm sort of going off on a little bit of a tangent i was very skinny combat sports cross country runner got big in the army not big but big for me because mm-hmm. i got into powerlifting and weightlifting leaned into the strength side through COVID started to get in, you know, I was drinking a lot more through COVID powerlifting, felt fat was about 108, 110 kilos. So I was about 18 oh. stone, you know, yeah. so 230 pounds, um, got into fitness racing, realized there was something missing my train, no buzz, wasn't really getting involved with it anymore. Got into fitness racing, like things like high rocks and stuff, um, lost over 50 pounds, oh. feel the fittest I've ever felt. I mean, I was a young army physical training instructor, I was 15, 20 kilos lighter even than I am now, and I still feel fit and no injuries, right? So I'm massively bought into this fitness racing, you know, and what I realized I was missing was really hard physical training. So like, it's hard when you're lifting heavy weights, but really you lay on a bench, right? It's not that hard, is it? Like what's hard is doing like a 1K row, 1K run, 200 meters of farmer's carry, you know what I mean? It's fast, real hard physical training. And I realized that's what I was missing. So I wrote this manual that explains this whole methodology but this was the first time that I really wanted to go, you know what, I want to put across not just my training ethos, which is very much this, what I call conventional fitness racing. So it's not CrossFit, like specialized with weightlifting and gymnastic type movements, no technical barrier to entry. So, you know, farmers carry, you know, nothing's crazy heavy. It's just done for high reps. Yeah. And I wanted to put my 
ethos like what is my mindset and my mindset is fundamentally stoicism mm -hmm. and i feel that stoicism is the most it's not as misunderstood now because of all the podcasts you know like yeah. daily stoic and everything but fundamentally when i speak to people about stoicism it is still the most misunderstood if they've not watched the podcasts on it and <laughs> um, because they stay as having a stiff upper lip and bottling stuff up and it's the complete opposite it's knowing what is external and internal you know what things you can really change mm -hmm. and taking a emotionally intelligent view of it and that has been the key to helping we with business because when external things hit me and you know what i feel like so angry or i feel like shit, i am you know even scared sometimes when i'm like shit, this is bad and mm -hmm. um, you know i'm financially in you know a bad financial situation stoicism you know that internal citadel where i can retreat within my mind or that ability to just go okay this is the situation how am i going to solve this practically and i this is what i always say is is key for men sometimes more so than women because women are emotional in different ways where i find a lot of the time women are more open to speak to each other they're more open to talk about it i don't feel that for myself and I can probably speak for a lot of guys that I've spoken to about this. They don't just want to sort of you know, blur out all their emotions. What they want to do is deal with it in a more practical way. And what stoicism does is give you the tools to do that. And that's why, and I sort of marry that up with, you know, hard physical training. Because yeah. I think like the, the body trains the mind and the mind trains the body. You know, I think it was Epictetus or someone said, you know, um, yeah, what is it? What well, something along that um, labor strengthens? I'll, I'll try and get the quote. Where's let me um, let me bring up the quote because that's going to really annoy me. One second, it's on the tip of your tongue, but you just can't it's remember. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't. <laughs> and I want to get the right, I don't want to misquote. Oh, no, I've um, been there who, too. who it was by because it was uh, you know, you've got the sort of Marcus Aurelius, you've yeah. got Seneca, you've got Epic. So it's Seneca, that was right, not Epictetus. So it's difficulty strengthen the mind as labor does the body. And mm. um, so I definitely see the two as um, they marry together. So yeah. hard physical work as in physical exercise and also like that stoic mindset. And I think it's the perfect pairing for, for, for men, especially. I'm sure yeah. lots of women, but I can only speak about myself being a man. Um, and the sort of men I spoke to that it really, really clings to. Yeah, no, and you're 100% right, because it's, I mean, when you're pushing your body to its physical limits, let's say, doing whatever exercise that you are, it's it's kind of like, well, the mind is still technically in charge, but, it, well, the mind is always in charge, but the body is basically yelling at it, like, stop, stop, stop. And that's where you come in with stoicism, you're like, no, we have to do the job. And that's when your body's like, oh. Let's recalibrate, <laughs> figure this out, because he ain't stopping, you know, and that's where you kind of yeah. develop that whole, that's where the perspective and that's where you kind of get that mindset shift where it's like, we're going to keep doing this. Oh, man. All right. Like, let's figure this out. And that's where the body kind of just has to react to what the mind is telling it. And that's where the mindset comes in, to your point. That's where the stoicism plays in. And that's where you can develop that stoicism muscle, right? Because I 100% I, I agree with the fact that unless you really know what really tough physical labor really feels like you're never really gonna understand it some people will watch like a crossfit you know like a, a or even a professional soccer game football game whatever and they're gonna like one of the dumbest comments i always hear and usually it's from young kids or people that have never played the sport like oh i would have stopped that i would have solved that issue you know i could have taken that hit i'm like bullshit man <laughs> like you could have done it you would have done a damn thing you haven't even sprinted since like you were 10 years old probably right 
And that's kind of where you do have that reference point, which I'm going to say kind of gives you an advantage. And what we're seeing in the entrepreneurial field, too, is like a lot of the old school guys are more like, hey, just sit back on your computer and just work on this stuff all day, which obviously, you know, mentally very straining, you know, like it's very tough. But we're starting to see this. I kind of feel like a lot of the entrepreneurs of now, of today are, are more into developing the body globally right it's like mind body soul and i really feel like that holistic approach is playing into it which is another thing i was going to ask you because i mean you mentioned stoicism so i'm guessing there's something you might be doing for your soul is there anything that you take in a you know any practice that you have like breath work or meditation or anything in regards to that or you know is your approach just kind of like a walk in the park or something (laughs) yeah so i honestly my my motto when it comes to pretty much anything in life for me is if I'm stressed, if I've got a problem, um, if I have just woke up on the wrong side of the bed is get your heart rate up. Mm. So I always say, you know, never judge how you feel till you're warmed up. You know, you can feel like crap and then have the best session you've ever felt. Mm -hmm. You can have an argument with your partner, feel like absolute shit go have a hard workout and you know if, i always say if, if you get, never judge how you feel until you get your heart rate above 80 percent of your heart rate mm-hmm. if you get your heart rate right up that's going to stop you feeling the way you feel all them negative emotions so for me what i can say is what is and this might sound too much but what is truly like spiritual for me where i reach what would be for whatever person would say like nirvana or where if you were to meditate and you you just hit that flow state for me what that flow state is is when you have got your heart rate right up past threshold mm-hmm. and you're so uncomfortable and then afterwards when you're just you 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 know you're replenishing all that oxygen there like to me there's there's nothing more intense than that and nothing more rewarding than when your heart rate is just shot right up through the ceiling towards maximum heart rate that there to me is i would say physically the most special thing i can achieve um and i would i would say to anyone like if you suffer with any sort of sort of whether it be stress whether it be anxiety like try getting your heart rate up as soon as possible like in the morning get your heart rate up get it right up do hard physical training one thing that i i realized which i've done hard physical training from being very young i did tie boxing very young and boxing joined the military was always training hard i never really realized the benefits of it on a mental level on a just an entire holistic level until i got into like just like powerlifting and then work got that overwhelming that i would because the gym's like my office Rather than sort of training, I'd get distracted. I'll answer a few emails. I'll edit a bit of a book. And once I sort of stopped that hard training on a regular basis, I can honestly say I got soft. And not just physically soft, that translated to like mental softness. I was less resilient. Like like the idea of marking all these students' work or if I had an overwhelming amount of emails or, you know what, financially the gym was, you know, I needed to get more members in. I was feeling softer. And I, I never realized this till I got back into hard physical training because there was mm. sort of like a, a two-year window where I wasn't really doing much of it. And I was like, you know what? This isn't just making me physically harder. This isn't gonna. This isn't just, you know, building my bone density. It isn't just building my muscle den- density. You know, like stoicism, I always said, train your mind like physical training, train your muscles. 
but it's more than that it's more interconnected this hard physical training is not just increasing my um comfort zone so expand i often say if your comfort zone is a circle and you're in the middle you've got to get outside that comfort zone mm -hmm. to expand your comfort zone so it's expanding that threshold but that interrelates to your 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 mental fortitude and your overall toughness across all things in life so the harder i train the more resilient i become on every level so to me the the hard physical training is is not just physical it's not just mental toughness it's it's completely a holistic right into the spiritual where i think i'm achieving what i achieve when i work myself incredibly hard and develop my ability to be beyond threshold so beyond sort of that lactate threshold heart rate you know so so my heart I'm, I'm working harder than i can really recover from that to me is spiritual yeah. and i think it's a shame that more people don't learn to embrace that and do it more and i think it i think we'd have a damn sight more less mental health issues if people were to exercise more especially hard physical exercise yeah no and i mean to your point, you are right. And I, I felt, I, I mean, that's kind of why I love that feeling when I'm training to absolute failure and then you train past it, you know, and it's just like, you can't, you can't really get past it. It's, it's, um, or you can't really get over that feeling where it's just like, bro, like I want more of this. And that's kind of where the, I guess you could call it a healthy addiction depends on, you know, your perspective. But for me, it's the one thing I discovered, like as a kid, same as you, I was like 14, 15. And I started looking into powerlifting, deadlifts, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Like, and it gives you the mm -hmm. sense of power that you are hundred percent right. Like when you now have to write a project after being energized from doing an extremely difficult workout, it feels completely different. And that's the one thing that I think a lot of people just don't understand because they're like, oh, you're going to lose all your energy doing that. I'm like, actually, it's the opposite. It energizes the body. It helps to basically get you back in a place of just energetic focus globally. Like the whole body reacts in a positive way. It's almost like your body's craving it. Like I'm like, you know, obviously going back to your point about evolution, it's like after all the things that happen, you don't think this Ferrari wants to reach, you know, redline it, you know, take it to the max or you think it just wants to constantly drift like <laughs> at 20 <laughs> miles an hour, you know, 20 kilometers an hour for the rest of your life. It's like, no, it wants to be pushed. And that's where you come in and really have that mindset and really push forward. I think it was Earl Nightingale who had that uh, old analogy. It's like where he's just kind of like slowly shifting across the stage. Like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just replicating you guys going through life <laughs> until you die. <laughs> and I think that's unfortunate, but it's one of the things that we see with a lot of human beings is they just don't push, man. And they don't realize that that push is what, what's actually going to reinvigorate you and really give you the energy to pursue other things. The carryover from physical labor, I mean, to your point, I think it's just unmatched. <laughs> well, I think that, a lot of things that are key, what people are doing for sort of wellness and mental health is, is fundamentally just applying stress to the body. So mm. I think stress is mischaracterized as a bad thing. Now that's what we call like negative stress or distress. But what we're talking about is eustress. So EU, it's the Greek term for good, like good stress. Mm -hmm. So stress on the body is good. So when you get in an ice bath, you're stressing your body. Oh, when you're God. hungry, that stresses the body. So it has benefits. When you go into warm like a sauna that stresses the body so it's a good thing right so all these things that people are doing for their mental health and to like spark all that good feelings all them endorphins is all applying stress to the body mm -hmm. right and i believe that physical exercise there's no better way to stress the body like raise your body temperature 
you know, raise your heart rate, vasodilation, you're getting all that fight or flight response. So everything that's, you know, that happens when you're stressed occurs mm -hmm. during exercise. Yeah, your heart rate elevates, your muscles become tense. Um, and I think that's why it's absolutely key that the human body needs to experience stress on a daily basis and it benefits from stress. What we know is if the stress is prolonged for too long is where you get burnout, you start to produce more cortisol, you know, you mm -hmm. get your immune system drops, you get ill. And that's what we call overtraining. And we get overstressed in life with work and stuff. But if you were to do nothing all day, like there's nothing worse than sitting on your sofa all day, but there's nothing better than sitting on your sofa after working hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's it, if someone said to me, right, you're going to sit on your sofa all day and do nothing. Actually, halfway through the day, you feel like shit. Mm -hmm. Now, if I go and run a marathon and then sit on the sofa for all day, like there's nothing better. It's amazing. Yeah, because you, relaxation is only good after a bout of stress. So we need to find ways to stress the body. So not everyone's going to be into hard physical training stuff like that. And that's where I think things like walks, you know, mountaineering, things like ice baths and saunas are beneficial because it's a way of applying stress. Um, you know, even though saunas can be quite relaxing, it is quite stressful as well on the body. Yeah. Um, and I think these are all key. I think exercise is the best by yeah. far because you're increasing bone density you're increasing muscle density which you know in terms you read any study on like long-term health bone density mm -hmm. muscle density long, and it's not just longevity it's health span you know there's mm -hmm. no point you know you want to live a long healthy life mm -hmm. and the key is to strengthen the body to make sure that you can be active in your 60s your 70s your 80s you know i'm a firm believer that with the way that it's going where more and more people are training the future's 80 year olds are going to be like today's 60 year olds you know it's not mm -hmm. it's it's not that rare nowadays to see 60 year olds and stuff in the gym and even 70 year olds yeah. don't see as many 80 and 90 year olds give it a few decades it's going to be completely normal to see 90 year olds in the gym deadlifting you know mm -hmm. 60 year olds are still running ultra marathons now that's going to be pushed back and back and not because people are necessarily living longer it's because people's health span is longer because they're training harder. And when you train harder, you're more conscious of your nutrition. It all goes hand in hand. To me, exercise is the key. Obviously, I'm biased because I'm a strength and conditioning coach. <laughs> but, but fundamentally, you'll never speak to someone exercising says this doesn't benefit them. And I think mm -hmm. it's a real shame when people have a dislike because they've not been I know if you've not got good genetics for fitness, which is true, like some people are naturally fit, they have high baselines. I understand why if you struggle at something, you don't like it as much. But if we can change the education from a very young level, not to see exercise as a punishment for say, eating too many calories or cross country as a punishment and seeing physical exercise, not just as sports, not everyone's into sport, but just being physically active, you know, seeing it as a, as a key part of our lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll get round to people and I think you'll see far less health, both physical and, and mental health issues as people age, if yeah. they're taught to have a positive relationship with exercise from a very young age, not see it as punishment or something they have to do to, to burn calories. <laughs> but I think you're right, that shift is happening, man. And I think it's awesome to see exactly, <clears throat> to your point, how many people that are way older now are actually working out hard. Right. Versus years past where you'd see him do like I'm out knocking Pilates, but, you know, they do Pilates and some of this like jumping jack aerobic kind of step up stuff. where are like, that's fine and dandy, but that's not really going to protect your hips, honey. <laughs> you know, over time, yeah, they're still yeah. going to get brittle. Osteoporosis is going to show up and all that jazz. So I think it's it's super important that, yeah, they obviously get some strength and conditioning going. Right. So 
it's it's going to make a massive impact in the next couple of years. But that being said, Jay, I want to be respectful of your of your time, Jason. Where can we find you? And tell us more about your academy. Tell us more about your website. Tell us more about your courses. All that good stuff. Yeah, so I, I appreciate. I really enjoyed the chat. So yeah, I run a I run an academy. So if you search Coach Jason Curtis on Instagram, it is Strength Condition Course the name, but Coach Jason Curtis on Instagram, you'll find me. Basically, what I do, which which develops the the following in the academy, was I give away free ebooks, you know, three times a week, and some of these are quite substantial, in excess of three hundred pages, you know, anywhere from minimum of ten pages up to three hundred pages. And it might be muscle manuals or strength programs or running programs. Um, so because I've written so many books and stuff like that, um, and I enjoy written content, and that's how I differentiate myself from other Instagram accounts and social media accounts. It's just written content. Um, and all you have to do is comment on the post and we send you the ebook. So, you know, you, there's, there's no, there's no sort of, um, you know, catch to that. All it is obviously is, is if I can sort of gain a, a good following, I can then hopefully upsell to the courses that I do sell and the books that I write. So yeah, you can find everything that I write on jasoncurtis.org or just strengthconditioning.com, which is my academy website. But I'd, I'd definitely say check out my Instagram because, you know, there's just masses of free content. And if you comment on any post, even if it's, you know, way down the feed, I've automated it that you you basically get sent the ebook. So you can awesome. literally get your hands on over 300 ebooks at the moment. Um, and it's all to do with strength, conditioning, physical health and well-being. Awesome. Awesome. And I gonna make sure that all the links are always included in the description. Jason, thank you again, man. No worries at all. I really appreciate the chat. I enjoyed it. Hey, me too, man. Till the next episode, guys.